Welcome into another episode of the Out of Options podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app, or I guess wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to subscribe and download each episode individually. And if you enjoy the podcast, please give it a rating so we can share it with more and more listeners. On last week's episode, we talked to Will Klein, who's uh, currently in AAA. This week, we get to talk to David Sandlin, the Royals' 30th-ranked prospect on MLB.com, an 11th-round pick in the 2022 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma, just 22 years of age, and currently with the Quad City River Bandits in high A, as he was recently promoted from Columbia to join them in the Quad Cities. Before you hear my conversation with David and a brief description from MLB.com, I just want to uh, say quickly that the audio on this episode is a little um, not of the highest quality, I guess is the best way to put it. There was a a loose cable in my microphone, so if it sounds a little funky, um, that's the reason why. Certainly, I've had that corrected, and moving forward, all the other episodes should have much better audio quality. Again, it's listenable, um, just not the audio quality that we we strive for on the podcast. So just wanted to give everybody a heads up before you continue listening. This from MLB.com describing David Sandlin. His fastball sits 93 to 95, and he'll top out around 98 with some carry that further fuels his ability to get whiffs. Sandlin stood out more for his breaking pitches in college, and it's his 84 to 87 mile an hour slider that has taken the step ahead so far in pro ball with good movement. Sandlin throws enough strikes to give himself a starting shot at every level, but there have been times when he's caught too much of the plate in 2023, allowing even single-A hitters to pick up extra base knocks. As his velo has picked up and his slider remains a promising option, there's always a possibility he could lean on his best two pitches in a future bullpen role. In 14 starts this season, Sandlin is 4-2 with a 3.51 ERA, but most impressively, in his 66 and two-thirds innings, he's struck out 87 batters while just walking 18. I started my conversation with David talking about his hometown of Owasso, Oklahoma, which also happens to be the hometown of Garth Brooks. And I asked David, is he a big staple in the community? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you'll you'll see him around town every once in a while, rather be just popping up at Home Depot or anything like that. So, yeah, he's, he's there around there quite a bit. Big fan of the high school baseball team. Sports us pretty well. It was pretty cool. Have you ever met Garth? I haven't personally met him. Um, my dad I actually got to meet him one time because he took me to urgent care when I was like 12 and I was sick. So I was sit, like fell asleep in the back and I guess Garth was taking, I think his daughter in for a soccer injury. My dad ran into him and chatted up with him for about half an hour. I, I don't know if weird is the right word, but is it strange to have someone of that big a name in a hometown that's kind of as small as Owasso? Um, no, I mean, I think that's kind of thing is when you live in Owasso, it's really not very small, but I think it's kind of everybody just, just Garth Brooks. Cause he's, he's a, he's a good guy down to earth from what I've heard. And like, he doesn't really just showboat that kind of stuff. Like you meet him and talk to him. I've heard he's just another person in town. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what what professional sports teams did you grow up rooting for? Because obviously the Thunder are the only professional team in the state. Uh, you're in a, in the middle of obviously Texas, the Kansas City area, St. Louis. Um, what were the professional teams that you grew up rooting for? Uh, so of course the Oklahoma City Thunder was there during their prime. Um, then 
Um, all my family's from Indiana, so I'm a big Indianapolis Colts fan, um, which has been a rough couple past years, but it's all right. Hopefully this first overall or the first round pick will treat us nicely. Um, and then uh, I grew up a Cardinals fan being born in St. Louis, but watched plenty of Royals games. Well, let's talk about the Thunder for a second. Feel like they're the next team that could be uh NBA title contenders. I mean, they have some really good young players. Oh yeah, no, it's exciting to watch uh Shy Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, and then of course uh Chet Holgram coming back this year. That young core they have is it's exciting. And I know a lot of people in Oklahoma City are pumped to be a part of it and see them growing so quickly. Did you grow up with the Durant? Harden Westbrook teams oh yeah oh yeah no I remember I think it was the first game I ever went to was the first year they were there it was like 10 15 dollars for a ticket up in the nosebleeds and at first you don't really know because they're just there and then as growing up you realize oh my gosh that was Harden Westbrook Kendrick Perkins Durant and it was like we had a real shot to win back then, and it, it stinks that that I think it was 2012 when they lost to the Mavericks. Oh, that was tough. Yeah, 2012 or 2013, because one of those years they lost to LeBron and the D Wade and the Heatles in the NBA Finals, oh, yeah. and I don't think they got back the next year, and it just all kind of fell apart. But you like look oh, yeah. back in history at those three guys on the same team. You're like, how the hell did they never win a championship? They were just, I guess, too young at the time. Who were your baseball influences growing up? You grew up. You said you grew up a Cardinals fan. Did you have someone you emulated growing up? Um, so my biggest baseball influence probably would have been, I mean, professional-wise, I, I watched Pools a lot. He was my favorite player growing up. So last year was really special getting to see his farewell tour with uh, – Wayno and Yachty all back together. Um, Pitching-wise, I would probably say it's Adam Wainwright. Um, I mean, I've been watching him for years, um, and how long he's been able to do it and how successful he's been able to do it has been really special to watch. Is he someone that you idolized or you wanted to mold your game after? I kind of just idolized. I didn't really ever sit down and think about molding my game after anyone. I kind of just go out there and be me. but he was definitely someone like that's kind of the success I want is to have that long lengthy career and be able to do it at a high level for such a long time. Gotcha. Okay. Before getting into your, your college career, um, I was kind of doing a little background research on you and went to your Oklahoma bio page and it said you only played one year of high school varsity baseball. Is that true? Yeah. One year on uh, varsity baseball. Yep. So were you a late bloomer? Did you play other sports? I mean, I would say just most guys that are professional baseball or, you know, playing pro ball or played high level D1, I would guess argue, or argue that probably most of them played multiple years of varsity. So why only one year? Um, I think it has to do with the mixture of late blooming and just how successful also high school is at producing baseball. Because, I mean, I think that senior year on that team, uh, we had six D1 commits in the starting lineup. And then um, the number one guy in the rotation was going to Arkansas and then me. And then my buddy was the other guy and he just won a national championship with LSU. So we, we produced quite a bit of talent out of the high school. So a lot of those guys bloomed early. I just had happened to bloom a little later. I think it was, I was about five, seven 
at the end of my sophomore year and at the end of my junior year is when I kind of spread it up to like six three. So it was that little mixture of that. What is there a in-state rivalry between Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Like how is the state broken up from a baseball rivalry perspective? So most of the time we'll like so if you're up in the Tulsa area, you'll play Tulsa area teams. And then kind of when you get to the state championship and postseason, they have like a east and west. So that's kind of how it's broken up. And like all state games, you have the east all-stars and the west all-stars play each other. So we didn't play rivalries really with Oklahoma City. We would play teams from there, but our rivals were more of Broken Arrow, Jinx, Union, uh, other Tulsa schools. Okay, got it. And then I would assume because you played one year of, of varsity baseball – um, and as you mentioned, a late bloomer, is that kind of what led you to choose a community college route right out of high school or what led to that decision? Um, partially. Yeah. I mean, I think it was after I went to a perfect game event at the end of the summer before my senior year, just didn't really have a lot of offers or anything, actually no offers. Um, and I was just kind of like, Oh, I really want to go play college baseball. Like I'll do anything to do it. So I sent out some emails I think sent I think I sent like seven or eight emails, junior colleges, division one, division two. And the only school that answered was Eastern Oklahoma State. Invited me down for a camp, tried out, had me on a visit that day. I fell in love with the coaching staff, Coach Parker, uh Justin Oni, Noe Rees. And from there it was just felt like home. I knew that's where I was going. Do you enjoy the recruiting process? Like it just seems like a frustrating thing for a college or a high school kid. It just even if you're getting recruited by high level schools versus, you know, the, the opposite just seems like an unfun process to go through for a kid in high school. Yeah, no, it's not fun uh, for me, at least. Uh, I know some of those guys enjoy going on all the visits and stuff, but I think it was just more stressful than anything. You, you're thinking about your future and you're trying to put it in the right place. And I mean, that's an always in the back of your head is, oh, did I commit to the right place or am I going to commit to the right place? Thankfully I did. Everything worked out, but it was a stressful time. And then your freshman year is is COVID, so you didn't even really get a full season under your belt, and uh, it just must have been a, a really weird thing for a high school senior to go start a community college to have COVID shut your season down. Just a very strange 18 months. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I still look back, think COVID was uh, not COVID itself, but that break was one of the best things that could have happened to me because that really showed me I think a lot of guys that bloomed after COVID is it showed them how quickly baseball and everything could be taken away from you and to appreciate it and just put in the hard work and stuff when you have the downtime. Have you ever seen the show Last Chance You on Netflix? Yep. Yes, sir. Is that pretty accurate? <sighs> I know it's I know it's football and and two seasons of basketball and, and obviously you were playing baseball, but is I guess is it relatable to you watching those shows? There, there are some things, yeah, that are relatable. Um, definitely the crowds at the games are relatable. Uh, small hometown or environment that they have. But I think the most relatable thing is the the teaching staff of the professors and the school just being so tight-knit and caring about all the, the athletes there and all the students there. And I think that's why junior college was such a fun experience is you're not going into like a Division One college where – it's 300 kids in a class. You're going into an environment where it's 30 kids in a class. The teacher knows your name and they can build a personal relationship with you while you're trying to learn. 
Yeah. I talked to Tyler Gentry, who's in AAA right now, and he, he started one year at uh, a junior college in Tennessee. He said it's one of the most fun times he's ever had playing the sport because, you know, everybody's so tight-knit. There's no restrictions on how much you can play or work out or practice. Just a very cool experience. Oh, yeah. It's it's a grind, but if you go to junior college and you're actually serious about um, perfecting your craft and everything, it's the best thing in the world because you grow into a small town. I think the population of the town we were in was about 2,000 people. Uh, we had, like, two fast food chains there. Like, you're there to get better at baseball or whatever you're doing. You're not there to mess around, have a social life or anything. So I, I think that's really helpful for young guys going into junior college before division one. Actually, that was my next question. You mentioned the social life. What was social life in a 2000 person town? Was it like you, you show up to the Sonic drive-thru and just hang out for the night, house party, apartment party, playing video games. What's social life like at a community college? You, you hit it on the nose with the Sonic. We had a Sonic. We would pull through the Sonic, uh, hang out for a little bit. Um, we were feeling really frisky. We would go hang out at the Mexican restaurant. Um, but other than that, it was, hey, you want to go do some stuff at the field or go work out in the gym or, oh, the basketball team's here tonight. We can go watch them or, yeah, just video games. It, was, it wasn't really a lot of options, but it was, it was fun to just hang out with them. We had a ping pong table, do tournaments with that, set up a punny green up in the conference room. So it was fun. We would find a way to be competitive and have fun. but Pretty quiet. So then you spent two years at Eastern Oklahoma State University, eventually ended up committing to the University of Oklahoma. As a as a high school kid, was it the dream to be Oklahoma? Were you more of an Oklahoma State family? How did how is that divided? Um, it was it was definitely the dream to be Oklahoma Sooner. Um grew up watching them play football and everything, not as much baseball until I kind of kicked it into baseball there in high school. But, um, yeah, growing up, Oklahoma Sooner fan, and especially getting the Baker Mayfield years and everything, I was like, man, I want to go experience those games and then play for my state. Like, that was that was the dream, and thankfully it came to fruition, thanks to Coach Johnson and Clay Overcash over there. But um, I knew as soon as I they offered me, that's where I was going. And is your family all grew up Oklahoma football fans across the board, or is it a little bit split household? So with them being from Indy, both my parents being from Indy, um, I don't think they really have a favorite college football team. I don't think my mom really cared <laughs> about college uh, football, but now I can tell you they're some of the biggest Oklahoma Sooner fans in Tulsa. Um, now that I went there, I mean, they, they still know every guy on their baseball team this year by name. And uh, they were going to games because uh, my little sister actually enrolled there last year um, when I didn't know if the draft was going to work out or returning. So she wanted to go there, too. So I think I helped flip the house into a Sooner household. Gotcha. So was everybody upset when Lincoln Riley left for USC? I don't know if upset's the right word. I mean, at first, yes. But then now, I think it's a lot like the Kevin Durant situation where everybody was upset first and then we're like, man, good riddance, like, you didn't want to be here, whatever, we'll we'll go find someone that wants to be here and we'll win. It is pretty wild to think back of the last, like, eight years, you know, say what you want about Baker Mayfield as a pro, incredible oh, college man. quarterback, number one overall pick. Say what you want about Kyler Murray in the pros, incredible college quarterback, number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts, one year 
in the Super Bowl last year. They've had an incredible run of quarterbacks and some really good football the last 10, 15 years, you know, post-Bob Stoops era. Right. Oh, yeah. No, and it was really special being there that um, couple years back um, and that football season getting to watch, I mean, as much as since he left, but Caleb Williams, I mean, that guy's, he's the real deal. Like, watching him in person was probably the most exciting college football player I've ever seen to watch in person. Like, it was special. Um, and then they got the Jackson Arnold kid that's there this year. I think he's probably going to redshirt next year, but he's supposed to be really special next year. And what's even crazier is the Oklahoma State softball team, or yeah, Oklahoma State softball, not Oklahoma State, Oklahoma softball team, excuse me, three straight national championships. They never lose. I mean, they're moving up the rankings of all-time dynasties of UConn women's basketball, Oklahoma football. They're in that category now. Oh, yeah. they. I think they well deserve to be in that category. I mean, those girls get after it. You see the work they – we would work out at the same time as them, and they don't They don't shy away from the weight room. They don't shy away from a challenge. I mean, they're the real deal. I actually got my – that's on the back. It shows all the national championships they've won. My OU softball shirt on right now. Um, but, man, they're they're dominant. It's, it's fun to watch. So getting back to you, you're now junior at Oklahoma – and you had like the storybook moment, men's college world series, Texas A&M, seven innings, 12 strikeouts. I went back and watched the YouTube clip and the montage. Just, they never stood a chance. Everything had built to that moment. Were you in a zone? Did something feel different that day? I mean, cause that I assume is the moment that every kid dreams about in the, an elimination game for Texas A&M, not for you guys, but Seven, again, seven innings, 12 strikeouts, just one of those days where everything was going right. What's it like to be in that zone? Um, it was fun. What a lot of people don't know is I actually pitched in the first game out of the bullpen, and it did not go quite as successful. I think I went .1 innings, uh, ended up giving up four runs. So that's something I had to sit in the hotel and in Omaha and just think about for so long and basically skip uh, kind of – gave me the plan he was just like hey I got you out there so you got the feeling it's not a different feeling from any other game like yeah there's more fans but it's just another baseball game and him saying that and then all the practice we put in during the week and seeing the success of Horton and Jake Bennett on the bump like I knew I could go out there and compete um and then Jimmy Crooks our catcher who we actually played last week up here really took me under his wing and worked on stuff during the week, had about five days to get ready. And when it came time, I knew just go out there and attack. Don't, don't try to do too much. Just execute a game plan. You'll be fine. The closest thing that I can compare to is an over the hill ball 36 year old is when I tee off on the first hole and I like a really good three, one, four iron, whatever. I usually have a pretty good idea. I'm either going to have a good 18 holes or a bad 18 holes. That first inning, you struck out the side, and you went off the mound with, like, a big fist pump. Did you just know? Did you have that feeling? Yeah. Um, usually I can tell by the first hitter, first inning, or even maybe the first pitch if I'm if I'm going to be on that day. Like, if I, if I fire a strike in with ease first pitch or K the first hitter, it's like, all right, it, I'm, I got it today. We're locked. Let's go. That must be an incredible feeling, especially in that atmosphere in Omaha with fans and 
you know, Texas A&M, obviously a power, you guys a power, just a really, really cool moment. I want to read one quick stat for you um, that I don't know if you know. So you mentioned Jake Bennett, you and him both struck out 100 plus hitters last year in 2022. That was the first time since 1985 in school history. Do you know who one of those, those two pitchers was in 1985? I know one of them was Bobby Wick, correct? Yep. And then Steve Peters, okay. who I, you know, frankly, I just never heard of. But it's 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 strange that Bobby Witt Senior and now you're in the same organization as Bobby Witt Junior. Just kind of a weird oh, full yeah. circle moment. So you oh, definitely yeah. knew that stat. Oh yeah, no, he. We've heard a lot about how successful uh, Bobby Witt Senior was, and then of course, it was crazy to think that we could have had. Without the draft, we would have had Bobby Witt Jr., Peyton Graham, and then Ed Howard as our infield last year. That would have been, would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I just have to get one thing off my chest. I think the College World Series bracket is way too confusing. You have regionals. You have super regionals. You have the winners and losers bracket, double elimination. What happened just to simple NCAA tournament style bracket that's a little bit easier for people like me? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just got to get off my high horse. I think probably the most confusing round is, I would say, honestly, the regionals. Um, and that's usually the one that takes almost the longest, other than, of course, the World Series with being double limb and eight teams. But the regionals with four teams and, like, teams when teams fight back through the loser's bracket, like uh, when we faced for- Florida, they came back through the loser's bracket. Like, it was, it was weird to see that happen and how that works out i think super regionals is good best of three series with one team that's kind of easy to follow and then the double elimination with the eight teams i like that because as you can see like you get games like lsu coming and then um of course like i'm trying to think who did a and m worked back last year against us after losing in the first round so it gives those teams kind of a chance to fight back because a lot of those teams just may have an off game, first game, and then you never know what happens after that. So, unfortunately, you didn't get to pitch in the finals against Ole Miss um, following that dominant performance. So then we kind of fast forward to June of 2022. What what was your feeling going into the MLB draft? Have you had conversations with teams? Did you have an idea of where you could be picked? What what was your sense in going into that draft? Man, it was it was kind of stressful. I I don't for two years doing it. I don't enjoy the MLB draft because unless you're one of those guys that know you're going one or two top two rounds, like it's a stressful time because you don't know when you're gonna get that call or if you're gonna get that call. Um, uh, talking to my agent and everybody and my coaches, um, kind of set the range, and I heard that I could go as high as early three or not go. Um, it just depended if one of those, one team liked me enough. And thankfully, um, the Royals did. Um, even though I think after that second day, I was like, man, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to be a Sooner again. Uh, it's done with. It's whatever. Um, and then I had a conversation with my buddy, um, Jonah Bride, who's on the Oakland A's, um, made his debut last year, and then my junior college coach. And they kind of told me, like, Hey, like if a team can get where you want, like it's a good time to get your feet wet. You're not getting any younger as much as that sounds weird being only 22, but that's how it is. And Royals Royals gave me the call 
I heard great things about the organization, the staff and everything. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's roll. Had you had conversations with the Royals leading up to, or they just called you on draft day and said, Hey, we're going to take you here in the 11th round. I, I had, I had conversations um, with them leading up. Um, I think they were probably some of the fewer conversations I had, but like I had conversations with a couple of people inside the organization. I assume you're not sitting in front of the TV for 10 rounds over two, two and a half days. How did you pass the time and how awful is not the right word, but how nerve wracking is that experience waiting till day three to be selected? Uh, it was nerve wracking. It was very, very nerve wracking. Uh, it was not fun whatsoever. Um, I think it kind of got to the fourth, fifth round, watch all around one and two, just, trying to support my teammates going and which Horton got selected seventh overall, which was awesome to experience and be able to support that guy. Um, but when it got to the early second day, like third, fourth, fifth round, I was watching intently waiting for a phone call. Didn't get one. And when it got to about the sixth round, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I was like, I'll, I'm going to go to the gym. Like I, I don't need to watch this anymore. I'll go to the gym. If I get a call at the gym, I'll get a call at the gym. Um, just, and that's how I passed the time, either going to the gym. Uh, I went and just hung out with friends, family. Didn't really pay much attention up until that next morning. I woke up day three, and I think it was like two minutes, three minutes before the draft started, uh, the 11th round, and they called me. I was like, All right, yeah, let's do it. Heck yeah. I didn't expect it. I had already – I actually renewed my lease at OU. I, I was going back. I was excited to go back. And then it worked out. And thank God it worked out. I'm blessed to be a Royal, and I love it. Was there a part of you that wanted go, to go back for your senior year at OU? Or once you're drafted, it's it's go time. It's start time to start my professional career. Uh, there was definitely a part that wanted to go back. Because, um, uh, I mean, what Coach Johnson and everybody did there was so special the year before I knew we could have uh, got that culture there right again and stuff. But, I mean, it was – I think it was time. And I think I made the right decision um, to enter professional baseball um, while I'm still learning and still fresh and still have the raw tools um, so I can get them refined by the best in the game. So you spent some time in the ACL after getting drafted in 22. You show up to your first spring training 2023 – what is that moment like? I mean, you're now like a, a not a, the ACL is a different beast, right? Because not everybody's there. 2023, you're walking, you're sharing, you know, fields and and space with guys like Salvador Perez, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Zach Greinke is going to be a Hall of Famer, who we're going to get to in one second. What is that moment like for a 22 year old to to walk into a big league training camp? Um, I'll tell you what, they got us ready for it. Uh, I I went down a little early to get my feet wet. I was down there. I think we had an orientation at the end of January, but I was down there from February 4th until April. I went down there early, got my car shipped out and everything, but I wouldn't say they tried to use scare tactics on us, but they were like warning us how hectic and crazy spring training can be to where when we got into it, it was, it was a breeze. Everything was set up nice, but definitely walking into the weight room and seeing, Roldis Chapman in there, just this big buff guy. I'm like, holy crap, that's that's a Roldis Chapman. That's Amir Garrett. That's Zach Granke. That's Bobby Witt. That's MJ Melendez. I was like, these guys are 
at the top of the game. Like these are these guys are in the league, so it was it was definitely surreal. Um, definitely with Granky, uh, when fanboyed a little bit, I was like, that's a future Hall of Famer right there. This guy later in the season struck out his thousand different hitter. I was like, it was it was surreal. It was really cool to be a part of and see be around those guys. Um, I know like even some of the guys moving up in the system, we got to pick their minds on everything, like Samad Taylor. Um, I actually didn't even know like about like how high he was in the system until um I got on MLB the show one day, the game, and I saw his name in the in the roster pack. I was like, oh my gosh, because he, he just seemed like one of those guys that you talk to every other day, real down to earth guy, like cared about everybody in that organization. And then like um Alec Marsh who's moving up, he really helped a lot of the younger pitchers too. So it was really cool to be around those older guys and them not treat us like oh rookies like you guys just got here like you got to earn it uh it's a staple of this podcast and i've asked everybody but let's go back to granky for a second have you met him and and or do you have a zach granky story to share um no i don't really have a story uh i didn't really officially meet him other than seeing him in the workout i guess the only story i had was like the first time I ever really saw him was they, they had Oakley Day at the field where they had an Oakley tan. We could go up and buy some Oakley glasses and stuff. And I go out there with a couple of guys from my draft class and we're buying them. And we, we didn't really pay attention when we walked up to the other person shopping for Oakley's and we heard him talk and we kind of like looked over real quick and it was Zach Granke and he's getting decked out in Oakley. And I guess the funniest part was my buddy was like, should I just say it's on him or like, so we don't have to pay it. And I was like, nah, that's definitely not the thing to do. Man. He could definitely afford it, but uh, oh, yeah. you may get some blowback on that one. The kangaroo oh, court yeah. or something. Oh yeah. And you recently got promoted to quad cities, which is high. A. You came from Columbia, which I think is now just called a ball. Um, how cool is that call? The manager called you into the office. Walk us through the story of, of getting promoted. Uh, yeah, so it was awesome. Um, we had a great thing. Um, they still do down in Columbia, a lot of success with the pitching staff and everything. Um, we just got back from our six game road trip to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I was getting in the locker room to unpack everything. Manager Tony Pena Jr. came up to me and said, um, can I see you in my office uh, before you unpack? And there were some altercations between some players and the umpire um in the previous series and I was like ah oh, please tell me I'm not getting in trouble or fined or something for telling the umpire to be better um I got in there and he thanked me for everything I had done down there and told me I was heading up here and it, it felt so it felt cool because um just knowing the work you put in and everything um and being able to do that in the first year of being here was really cool and special and of course, getting to share it with my family, flying them all up here to watch that game, being closer to family uh, in Indianapolis. It was, it's, it was a really cool experience. Before we get to how you got from Columbia to Quad Cities, I, I want to hear the story about the umpires and the players. What happened? Um, it was probably the the worst officiating crew. I know um, our manager got thrown out at least one game um, because of some blown calls. And then um, – some unnamed players had an altercation. Um, not me, actually, thankfully. Um, in the in the tunnel after the game, um, and one of the guys got 
find. So um, an altercation thought, with the umpire. Uh, yeah, just telling him to be better, but in not so a nice way, um, as you can imagine. But he he ended up getting fined. Didn't get any suspension or anything, or ejected it since it was after the game. But yeah, it was it was a tough game to be or a tough week to be a pitcher down there for yeah. sure. And I would assume if the whole team is up in arms, it was really one of those like really really poor, not like objectively bad umpiring crews, right? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. No, we they have the rule you can't mention track man to the umpire. But there was a few times where we were ready to mention that they were definitely missing some calls for the pitcher tightening the zone up. Got it. Okay. And man, your manager got kicked out a couple times. Yeah. How do you, how do you get from Columbia to Quad Cities? Is that like a forty eight hour process? Did you fly? What happens to your car? What happens to your clothes? Um. So they actually gave me the option to drive. So I packed up everything in my car uh, from the apartment complex we were staying down in Columbia. And they said, hey, since it was Sunday night, they told me, they said, you can leave next or tomorrow morning. Uh, since it's a 14-hour drive, we give you the option to stay the night somewhere and then just be there for the game Tuesday. So, um, thankfully, on the trip up here, my one, my uh, my girlfriend was on the way, so she could help me drive in Charlotte. And then um, I had family up in Indianapolis, so I stayed in a hotel in Indianapolis, got to go have breakfast with my uncle, see my grandfather the next morning, and then had got on the road again from Indianapolis to uh, to Davenport. And when I got to Davenport, just jumped right in, started stretching and everything, started uh, throwing, just tried to not skip a beat. I assume after a 14-hour drive, you needed a pretty, pretty good stretch. Oh, yeah. No, I think I slept that night after the game um, before Wednesday. I slept like – 11 to 12 hours that night i crashed as soon as i got home didn't wake up till about 11 a.m noon the next day you're one of the first guys that i've got to talk to on this podcast that's living with a host family for people who don't know explain what that is and what that's like uh so yeah it's just uh um here we just have a couple that has opened their house up to me and actually mason barnett is my roommate here um, and we get to live here as a kind of like, just think of it as apartments inside someone's house. Um, but yeah, they, they are super helpful with everything. They kind of just open their arms that our home's your home. Right? They take care of us great. And I like it because it, it gives you that at home type of vibe, like rather than you're in an apartment and you're like, oh, like you start to miss home a little bit or start the stability of a house. But here it's like I'm I'm just right back at home. I have my setup. I got my my PlayStation here. It's a little bit of a drive to the field, but other than that, it, it, it just feels like I'm right back at home. Well, we end each episode with something called on the bus. It's kind of rapid fire, on and off the field style questions, just to get to know you a little bit better. You're an OU guy. How much mm -hmm. do you actually hate the University of Texas? A lot, like very, very much. Uh, Marcus Oliveras was a free agent sign with our draft class. And uh, you, uh, we had a bet going this year. He had to wear from head to toe OU gear when uh, Oklahoma baseball swept Texas. So that was a lot of fun. Had that bet going, but there's a deep hatred for the university of Texas. Have you ever gone to a game um, at the cotton bowl? Oh yeah. I went um the year that they came back when they were down like 21 to seven or something like that. Oh, that yeah, that was uh, the, the, the year that Caleb Williams came in. It was, yep. 
it was special. It was exciting. We were about to leave at second quarter. It's like 28 to seven or something like that. And we were just like, man, we wasted this trip. Like what's happening. And then we came back and it was, it was a party down in Dallas that day. Yeah. I remember that game specifically because uh, I'm pretty sure I had the Texas money line and I was feeling, I was feeling really comfortable in like the third quarter and it it all went downhill. I thought, yeah, that we don't need to get too much into that. Um, you said you were a Colts fan. Do you play fantasy football? Yeah, of course, yes. Who should be the number one pick in drafts this year? I mean, it's hard not to go. It's hard not to go Christian McCaffrey. Like it's still like he's up there. It's either him or I'm trying to think who else. I think Saquon was my lot number one last year, and everybody thought I was crazy with his injuries and stuff. But he he produced. That's tough because there's so much trade stuff going on this offseason. Yeah, I'd say Christian McCaffrey is probably the safest, if not like Stefan Diggs or someone like that. How many leagues are you in? Is it high school? Was it teammates? What's the breakdown? Uh, So I had one with the Royals draft class that I came in with, and then one with my um, buddies back from OU. So I only had two leagues, and the draft class one did not go very well. But the one with the OU buddies, I think I got second because my my buddy my roommate had the week of his life in fantasy, so good for him. Yeah, I uh, I'm a paper champion because I was up point five. The other guy had Joe Burrow against the Bills. Game doesn't happen. I get the championship. I split the money. I was a good commissioner. But there you go. Yeah, I can't. Uh, it doesn't feel as good as a normal championship. Yeah, no, I got you. Uh, house party, bar, or club? Rank them one, two, three. Ooh. Um, I'd probably go house party one, bar two, club three. Not a big club guy. I like more more chill stuff. What was the Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma social scene like? Is it fraternity base? Is it bar base? House party? Um, I think it was a mixture of all three. Um. It was it was a steady mix of all three. You had Campus Corner with all the bars. You had um, Frat Lap with all the fraternities and stuff. And then you had some, like, there was several houses in the complex I lived um, that threw parties and stuff. And usually I was the stay-at-home kind of guy. Just I'm not trying to feel like crud the next day and be tired. I'd rather be on, be up and moving around and, whether even if that's just a way to play video games, I'd rather do that than feel like crap. So, um, but they have a set, steady social mix. I know that a lot of guys get involved in. What was the last TV series that you finished? I'm more of a movie guy, so this is a tough question. I know me and um, Mason Barnett have been re- recently we rewatching Suits, so that's a good one. Other than that, it probably would have been Outer Banks when that first came out. I just finished season three of Outer Banks. I know they they just put out a teaser trailer for number four, so not sure what they're going to do with season four, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, no, it was it was a little strange how they ended it, but we'll we'll see how it plays out. I thought season one was awesome, and then season two and three just got a little ridiculous. I think yeah, it just started going down. I take every season, um, but who knows? Maybe since the storyline's kind of starting over again, it'll jump back up. So yeah. we'll see. What you said you're more of a movie guy. What do you what have you currently watched that you've liked? Um, so I rewatch a lot of movies. Uh I know the new um Guardians of the Galaxy. I just went and watched it was it was really good. Um New Spider Man was um 
all right. Try not to spoil anything for everybody, but I think it's a setup movie for the next one. So it was it was good in its own aspect, but it makes me want to see the next one even more. Um, and then before every start, I watch one of the Star Wars movies. Every before every start, I'll, yep. I'll kick one of those on. That was actually on my list of what, any pregame superstitions that you have before you pitch. Yeah, watch. Uh, usually it's Revenge of the Sith, episode three, but sometimes I'll, I'll just click a random one and watch it. And those are not short movies, so you really got to sit down and take two and a half, three hours of your of your day before you you make a start. You got to watch that movie or L movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, usually it will be the night before, um, especially down here. The games end a little earlier than they did in Columbia. Um, but, yeah, I'll just throw it on and then kind of fall asleep to it, if not watching the whole thing. When did that tradition start? Um, I would say junior college. Uh, I didn't do it as much on the road last year um, but um, for OU. But in junior college, my, my roommate was a big uh, Star Wars fan like me, so we kind of just – before we got an outing, we sat at one point in the year, we sat down and watched all of them in order. So that was a whole week and a half ordeal if you're watching one a day. But um, yeah, we would just started watching them before we went bitch and we had success. So we're like, hey, why not just fire us up with some Star Wars? Keep it going. All right. I want you to give me your top five all time movies. I'll list my five so you can think about it for a second. Um, okay. Force Gump one. Mm -hmm. gladiator 2 i'm gonna put people always get mad at me but i don't care i'm gonna put james bond as a category number three um blood diamond four braveheart five that's my top five movies and the town is like five with an asterisk okay um for if we can just do a whole series i'd go probably marvel one star wars two um three i put interstellar up there that was a really really good movie um i'd say lord of the rings is up there and then five to finish it off i'll go inception you're a big science fiction person oh yeah oh yeah i love it that's why um I think Christopher Nolan's the director. He's got that Oppenheimer movie coming out this time. I'm pumped to see it. Is that an in-theater must? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just have to say this, another opinion that you probably don't care about along with the bracket of the College World Series. I think Marvel's doing way too much nowadays. There's too many yeah. things to keep track of. Oh, yeah. Uh, trust me. Same boat with you there. Uh, they're going quantity over quality. They've, they picked it up with the last couple movies. But there, with all the series and movies coming out at the same time, it was it was hard to keep up with. Have you ever had a job, or do you did you have a first job, whether it was middle school, high school, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I worked during so during COVID, I, I got a job with all my buddies up at Home Depot in Owasso. Are you a, are you a do it yourself type of person? You know the Home Depot world. Uh, now I definitely know it more. It's it still help to have that little phone you see the workers carrying around tells us where everything is so trust me they don't know everything when you walk in there like they think or act like they do they they use that phone to tell you where stuff is okay yeah the app has become really helpful i i a new homeowner so i feel like i'm there way too frequently so the app was a must must have um do you eat leftovers oh yeah oh yeah what's the best post-game locker room meal that they provide 
Usually, I'm just a fan of the class. Last night we got it. Um, just a classic cheeseburger. Like I, I love getting after a cheeseburger after a game. It's something easy to take back. Like you don't have to have special packaging for it. And um, I, I can. That's one of the few meals that I can put in the fridge and heat up the next day, and it will taste almost the same. There's some stuff that will have like some crispier along that line. It loses that one. So I'm I'm a big fan of the cheeseburger. And last night it was it definitely hit the spot getting back here. Gotcha. All right, two more for you. Uh when you go to the grocery store, what's the one item that you need to come away with? I'll do I'll do two two answers because I'll do a drink and I'll do uh food. So drink is the yellow right here. I actually have it right here. The tropical punch body armor is always a must. And then I'm a big fan of it's called it's Hagen Doss ice cream. It's called Dulce de Leche. Okay. That is that's my go-to ice cream. Body Armor's got a good sale going on. It's like ten for ten at the local grocery stores. I think they have they probably oh, have yeah. high V's in, in the Quad Cities. Yeah, they right? have high V's. I go to the Sam's Club. I've always been a Sam's Club guy. But oh yeah, that's that's a must. Anytime I'm on that long road trip to Quad City, going to gas station, buy the yellow body armor. Bat and water. Just get after it. Do you share a fridge with your host family? How does that work? Yeah. So they're actually um they they stocked it when we when I got here, it was completely stocked, which I'll 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 be doing shopping my own, but it was super nice of them and luckily they already had the body armor in there, so they they knew I was coming, I guess. Nice. Do you have a go to karaoke song? Oh, that's a good one. Um Go to karaoke. I could either do anything, pretty much any song by Morgan Wallen, Drake. I could do a lot of his, but I could do Inner Sandman. That's kind of a song that I've gotten into and always had it as my walk up. So I could probably get after that one. Are you still using that as a? Do you have a, a walkout sound of the mound? Oh uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I use as an Inner Sandman, which I know is. Mariana Rivera. So, if anybody ever tells me to switch, of course I'll switch. But until that day, I'm 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 using until someone tells me to switch. Got it. Well, you're officially off the bus. The road trip is over. So, David, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Congrats on the promotion to Quad Cities, and um, let us know when you're in Kansas City soon. And best of luck the rest of the season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thanks to David for taking about an hour of his time to sit down and talk with me about uh, his journey to the Quad Cities. And for those of you who We'll end up watching this a little bit on social, um, taking the time to sit down and talk with me from his host parents' basement as he's just getting to know the family that he's living with in the Quad City. So really appreciate David's time and uh, his story to, uh, to high A baseball. And hopefully we'll get to see him moving up the ranks as he continues to uh, showcase that power fastball and dominant off-speed pitch that got him to live out a pretty cool dream in that College World Series when he went seven innings and struck out 12. Um, for the University of Oklahoma. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Please remember to subscribe. Please remember to download, whether that's on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. I really, really appreciate it. And again, if you like the podcast, uh, give it a rating so more people can see it and uh, show up in their feeds. No episode next week. I will be on vacation, but we will be back with another episode on Tuesday, August 8th, and uh, we'll continue through the rest of the remainder of baseball season August into September. Some uh, fun guys to talk to you coming up in the next couple weeks. Thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you in two weeks.